Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, I'm Ellen Rohr. At Fairbones Biz, we believe that business can be a path to peace, prosperity, and freedom. Sound good? Great. Welcome to the Bare Bones Biz Radio Show. Hey, if you just want to make more money, yeah, baby, you've come to the right place, too. On my show, I invite smart business builders to share success tips and tell their inspiring tales of challenge and triumph. So, saddle up, Biz Builder. The Bare Bones Biz Radio Show starts right now. Hey, hey. Hi, Kenny. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Ellen. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I am so excited. And welcome. If you're listening in or you've called in, terrific. Kenny and I are going to talk about change with all capital letters and periods between every letter. His uh, book is called The Six Dimensions of Change. And Kenny Chapman is an absolute legend in the service industry, one of the best speakers I've ever experienced. And I know that your fans across the globe are going to be excited to uh, listen in today. So, Kenny, thanks so much for being with us today. Fantastic. It's it's wonderful. I, I can't wait to spend some time here with you today. Well, it, we love Blog Talk Radio, and the Bare Bones Biz radio show program is all about... I've got some cool things here. Listen to this. Or... Yeah, we got, we got some AV around here. But this, we love to make money. We love to have fun. It's all about expanding your freedom through extraordinary business. And my job as the host of the Blog Talk Radio Show is to bring on extraordinary guests, business builders who are inspiring and can help you achieve your dreams and, and, and run a business that you're proud of and that makes you more money. So here's how it works. Oh, Kenny, we have so many people calling in. This is so much fun. If you're listening online, terrific. If you want to ask a question, go ahead and call in. The number's there on on your screen. It's 347-637-2284. And if you call in, feel free to interrupt me and Kenny at any time by raising your hand. If you press the number one, on your phone pad, then that raises your hand, which is fantastic. So that way we can um, we can uh, interrupt what we're talking about, Kenny, and then get some interaction with uh, someone who's brave enough to call in. What do you say? <laughs> Sounds so, great. Sounds now, great. if you're the type of person who likes to have a little order, at my website at barebonesbiz.com, we've got a little handout. So you can go to barebonesbiz.com, B-A-R-E-B-O-N-E-S-B-I-Z.com. And on the blog, shock, blog talk radio page, click on that page, and there's a handsome picture of you, Kenny. You look so um, heavenly in that picture. Wow, heavenly. Yeah. I'll take that. It's a heavenly right. picture. And so uh, you'll see a picture of Kenny and then some bullets. Now, these bullets are just mostly to keep me on track today. And this is some of the information that I want to share during the course of the call today, Kenny. But it's also pretty free form. Anything you want to share, um, great. Any callers that uh, take us off piece a little bit, well, you are welcome to do that. And we do want to talk about change. Change is certainly a critical issue, and I love the way you uh, spell it, so I know there's more to the story here. So, Kenny, why don't you start by sharing a little bit about your, your story? I call this the you were born at a very early age, and about a year later you were one portion of the call. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Well, I am originally from San Diego, California, and my family moved to Colorado um, when I was in grade school, so I finished school in Colorado, and did a little bit of uh, college, very little bit. I played a lot of baseball and went on a baseball ride but forgot to study. So I just partied and played baseball and hence a pretty short career. Um, Once I left college, I ended up joining the Army and I spent three years in the Army. I got the opportunity to uh, participate in the first Gulf War. I spent seven months in Iraq and Kuwait. And um, one of those experiences in life that we have where you wouldn't change it, but you wouldn't necessarily want to do it again type of thing. (laughs) Many of us in business have had years like that, sometimes decades, but that was kind of my Army experience. Um, But one thing I learned from the Army experience was that I needed to be paid for performance. Um, Everything in the Army was time and grade. 
I'm a, I'm a proponent of our armed forces. I support them. I, if you've served in the past, I thank you for that. I really appreciate everybody that has done that. Um, but it was all time and grade. And the longer you were in a position, the more you got paid. And that didn't work for me. So that really began developing my entrepreneurial spirit. And when it came time for me to get out of the Army, I moved back to Colorado for what was to be a short period of time. And um, I went to work at a lumber yard, and I was driving trucks and doing different things in my early 20s, not having a clue what I wanted to do with my life or direction. And I, uh, one of my uncles is a real estate investor. And I told his realtor, he introduced me one day, and I said, bring me everything you've got that you have listed in business. I want to learn business. I want to know more about these things. So this realtor starts bringing me all these what I call mom-and-pop donut shop type businesses. You know, many people buy, buy a business, and they end up just buying a bad job, and they make less money than they would have hourly, and they can't Now, let me interrupt night. you a second. How old are you when you were doing this? I was um, 21 at the time. That is a, that's an unusual story. <laughs> I mean, it, I, it, this is what's so much fun for me. I didn't know that about your military experience, and uh, it does. I, I really appreciate someone with military experience. Again, I'm uh, I'm also respectful of those who who serve, but there is this um, understanding of discipline and procedure that that comes with having. Uh, been in the service, and that's really interesting. But then to to get out of the service and and to have the experiences you've had so far, and decide you want to buy a business, wow, that's different. Yeah, it 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 really was. But it was, I had you know I learned the discipline. If they had performance based pay in the military, I might still be in. Quite honestly, I loved the structure, I loved the the expectation. Yeah, that that stuff was great, so that was an easy transition once I did get in biz, into business. But I knew that um, that I needed something that was going to reward me, and that would be business. Now I didn't have any money at the time, and so the realtor was bringing me, you know, all these businesses. And and one day he he brought me a listing, and I'll never forget it. It was a little company here in in our market that um, had had about four trucks and they uh, plumbing trucks mainly sewer and drain cleaning, and they had some portable toilets. And my realtor's name was Mark. I'll call him my realtor. I hadn't made a transaction with him yet, but he was bringing me this stuff. And I said, Mark, what? He hands me the packet. I said, what are you talking about? I kind of push it back to him. I'm like, sewer service. It says at the top of the of the 1040. He said, Kenny, look at the numbers. I said, well, I don't really care about the numbers. It says sewer service, and that's not me. And he says, just look at the numbers. So I'm 21 years old. I open up this packet. It's a little four-truck company here in Little Grand Junction, Colorado, back in 1992, was making about 100 grand a year. For me, I was making $7.25 an hour, fresh out of the Army, back from the Gulf War. That was all the money in the world to me. And I was like, wow. Well, as I said, I didn't have any money. I couldn't rub two nickels together. So, okay, well, so there's money in the sewer business. Big deal. I go back to selling lumber. And I worked my way up in this lumber yard over about the next year, and I got to outside sales. One of my clients built like two custom homes a year. This is now early 1994, and we were heading into a building boom here in, in Grand Junction. And he was building two custom homes a year, and then he had a little pickup, little Mazda pickup with a camper shell on it. Topes Rooter King was the name of his little sewer business. So he had a little tiny ad in the yellow pages, and he wore a pager. And if somebody called and he wanted to make what he called his walking around money, he'd go out and snake a sewer line or clean a kitchen sink. 25 bucks. Clean a kitchen sink. 25 bucks. And I thought, wow, look at that. I remember this other company. Well, maybe I could do something with that. So I really started working him. Hey, sell me that thing, you know, come on. And I had done a uh, a deal with my uncle where I'd flipped a house. I, because I worked at the lumber yard, I was able to buy buy things at an employee discount. So my uncle did a deal with me. We bought a house to flip. I did all the fixing up. I bought all the materials. When we flipped it, I made five grand. And I put $4,000 down on this little company that was grossing $12,000 a year. $12,000 a year? A year. <laughs> a year. I, it blows me away that we do you oh, know, jobs for that now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
So yeah. and I, you know, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm in. So I closed on April 1st, 1994. Not to be a mistake, it was April Fool's Day. My <laughs> phone didn't ring for three days. And I was calling him, calling, what's going on, what's going on? Oh, it's always slow this time of year. He had done it eight years on his own. And from there, it just really started working. Well, let me, let me just um, interrupt you a second, Kenny, because sometimes people join us a little bit late. My guest today is Kenny Chapman. He's written the book, The Six Dimensions of Change. And Kenny and I know each other because we share a love of the service industry. And Kenny is a fantastic speaker, a speaker and serial entrepreneur. And here's a, apparently your first business ownership story is right about now. So you're in your early 20s. You're, you're, is this still 21 years old? Um, yeah, I was 20. I didn't even wake I was, up until I was 35. <laughs> I was 22 at this time when I bought. 22. So you buy a service it. company um, with the hopes of grossing $12,000 a year mm-hmm. in sales. So yeah. that is a that is a um um. I wanted to say naive, but that wasn't very polite. Start. Oh no, it's it's way worse than that. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> yeah, it was. You know, and and the thing is that it's really. It's really common. I was very fortunate that I, you know, that I made it. I mean, 97% of businesses, of small businesses, fail in the first 10 years, and I beat my head against the wall. I was on call 24/7 for two solid years. I hated my life. I wasn't pleasant to be around. I wanted to do anything except this business. I never wanted to be a technician, and that really served me later on because I, got, I was able to get out of the truck sooner than most because I I didn't have a love of the field. And so, so that I, kind of surprised you. You thought maybe this thing would grow um, uh, by miracle, and I believe in miracles, but sometimes uh, there's some benefit to the to the, the, the painful circumstance too. But as you got into it, it wasn't what you had in mind? Oh, not even close. No, I... You know, as you said, I mean, I'm I'm a naive kid at the time, and I'm remembering a tax return I saw from this four truck company, and you know, here I'm thinking, well, yeah, they they were making six figures. This is going to happen as soon as I, you know, get into this thing, and it was it was incredibly painful, but it was incredibly rewarding and what I needed um, to, you know, I had to go through those things. We've all been through those times in our lives where. You know, everybody listening in right now, you, you've done hard before. You know, you know you have. And sometimes. So, so where was the where was the uh, Oprah calls in the aha moments? Where was the aha moment here? I mean, why didn't you just uh, uh, walk away and go get a, another job? The biggest two reasons. Num- number one, I I really couldn't. I was I was too vested. And many of us as as early on entrepreneurs, that's kind of what happens. So so I was I was stuck in it but I was still working forward I was still growing the company a little bit The first big aha happened to me about um 4 years into business I wanted to do anything except this still at that time and I I started inter- I know right <laughs> a total victim mentality poor me I, you know somebody dumped this on me I mean as much as the guy I bought it from tried to talk me out of it and here I didn't listen to him and and I started interviewing successful people in our market so I'm about you know 26 now um, still struggling along financially so I started taking the top realtors to to lunch and I called the owner all the Taco Bells and anybody that I could get to that would listen for me to buy them lunch and ask them what makes you successful I believe that success leaves clues and I I took the owner of of all the Taco Bells in our market, he owns a bunch in California, he owns some in Germany, and he was sitting on the board of Taco Bell International at the time. Here in my little market, he finally, I bugged him for about three months, and he finally said, okay. And we went, and he said, I'm going to tell you something. And, you know, this is like one of the wealthiest guys in, in my area, the house on the hill, the whole nine yards. And so he's got my total attention, and he said, well, as long as you're doing what you're doing, he said, you might want to get out, that's fine. Start your plan of what you're going to do to get out. But until you're actually out, be the best you can at what you're doing. And 
to most of us now, it's like, oh, well, duh. I mean, that's simple. That that makes a lot of sense. But to me, it really hit me. It really hit me hard. And I was like, yeah, because I knew I wasn't leaving it all on the court. We we all have those experiences where we can look in our lives and go, hmm, I've got more, <laughs> but I wasn't really And he, he really busted enough. you on that. He called you he, out. He really did. He really did. And I and I took it. I allowed it to resonate with me and and then he elaborated and and he said, you know, he said when I was your age, I was running a Taco Bell. I was managing a Taco Bell for my parents. He came up through it with his family. He said and he said I'll never repeat this in public if you ever ask me the question, but he said the last thing in the world I ever wanted to do was be involved in the Taco Bell business. And here's this guy in my mind, you know, he's like Warren Buffett to me. And uh-huh. it's just like, oh, wow. And I'm like, wow, okay. Well, so I left out lunch, and I knew I was still going to get out of the business, but I was going to give it everything I had until that happened. And that shifted me. That, that, that changed my life because I began to look at things differently. I began to seek different information. I decided if I'm going to give my best, what can I learn? What can I... Uh, find out that I don't know to to make my best even better, and and we doubled the company like three years in a row after that, um, and then I ended up joining uh, Contractors 2000 at the time and meeting a lot of great smart people and continuing my education. Um, did a lot so of. So that was definitely a, a pivotal a pivotal moment in your life. Meeting this guy, do you stay in touch with him? Um, I, I don't, we don't stay in touch, but I'll run into him periodically. Um, quite honestly, he's a very difficult man. He's made a lot of money, but he's not real pleasant. <laughs> no, that's, no, it's interesting that you say that because you and I, I mean, one of the themes that comes up over and over again in my life and certainly in the radio show is that a lot of these pivotal moments involve mentors, involve somebody, you know, grabbing you by the chin. And you know my story with, uh, with Frank Blau. He was my, my, what do I want to say, my greatest mentor, I've had lots of mentors, but he was mm-hmm. the one who really got my attention mm-hmm. and called me out, you right. know, like you got called out there. But someone told me something about mentors that I thought was really important, is that we shouldn't expect them to be perfect, and they're not going to necessarily have every area of their life worked out. But they can. you can use those relationships in a, in a powerful, positive way if you appreciate the humanness of your mentor as well as take the, the lessons that they have to share. You're, you're absolutely right. I, I'm a big believer in that. And I think too often we discount areas to, to be a mentee because you're looking for this perfect person. And yeah. instead of saying, well, not sure about the family choices, but they make some pretty good business choices, I'll use this. Or this person over here is really great at family. I don't know about some of their financial choices. Well, why not pull all the pieces and you're your own person, implement what works for you. That's what I think really is powerful. I think so too, and I think it also allows us that, you know, I feel so honor-bound to share, and this is a big reason why I do this show too, is that I got a lot out of gathering information from other people. And when someone's helped you, you're almost honor-bound to share, but sometimes we discount what we have uh, to share because we are aware of all the painful places that we're falling short of our own mark or where you know we really don't have our lives all together. So it kind of lets you off the hook, too, as far as being perfect, which is nice. Absolutely. So, okay, so this is when you decided to embrace the business, but you couldn't wait to get out of the the day-to-day. You saw yourself as um, enjoying the business part of it, perhaps, or saw that there could be some uh, a game to play or some fun to be had there, and you couldn't wait to get out of the field. Was that driving you? It, it really was, yeah. It was it was a combination of, you know, we, we changed for pain and pleasure, and, and I saw pleasure in working in an office and and understanding business and running a company by the numbers, that was the pleasure side, and the pain side was me being in the field and working with the tools. That was extremely painful. <laughs> so, so I had them both working well for me, and and I did, and I and I got out. I mean, I I stopped working, taking calls myself in the field when I only had two trucks. And many people said, "Oh, it's way too early. You can't do it. You can't do it." And and in hindsight, it probably was too early, but 
it, it shifted my focus, and and that was around um, the time that I that I began my E Myth training. Um, I, I got certified by Michael Gerber's E Myth Academy out in Santa Rosa, California. Well, that's and, you know that's one of our um, bullet points. We're both Michael Gerber fans, and Michael Gerber was absolutely one of uh, one of the influential mentors people in my life sometimes your mentors are someone with whom you have a one-to-one relationship and some of my mentors like i consider benjamin franklin one of my mentors right having mm-hmm. met him through history and I, I like to imagine him on my team but michael gerber i had not met until i went to um a contractors 2000 meeting now next star meeting and um i saw him speak and that was the energy from that meeting absolutely changed my life. I had no idea that you could look at a business this way. And when I read the book, I thought like I, I felt like he wrote that book for me. Like it should have said mm-hmm. Ellen. Every single solitary line in that book should have been addressed to me specifically. And so when you said that he had a big impact on your life, I thought, well, let's talk about this. That's really how I met him was seeing him speak and then reading his book. And then you went through the the academy talk to me about that well it, so the exact same thing happened sorry it couldn't say ellen because it was saying kenny, kenny. <laughs> that's right i <laughs> i started out my um i was very blessed i believe in in having partners that are outside your business um kind of uh, almost like personal board of director partners and and my accountant was one early on and um, if you're listening and you don't have a really strong accountant, that's a huge piece to a successful business, not to oh, rely on I, them. I just want know. to put a, a little asterisk there. You know, most people have such sucky accountants. Yeah. That, I think that I'm so critical of that profession yeah. because it can be such a, a boon to a business, and most of the time there's a lot of negligence and, and martyrdom and, and intimidation, and I'm so glad to hear you say that. Hey, let me also interrupt because we're going to get going. If you're on the phone, if you have called in, you can raise your hand at any point by pressing the number 1. If you want to interrupt me and Kenny and ask a question, we love that. So just keep that in mind as you listen in. So, Kenny, go back to the, the, the story about uh, um, your mentor. That yeah, yeah. So, so my accountant gave me a copy of the e-myth. He said, I really think you should read this. And so I went home. I read it. I, it was one of those books we've all had. I couldn't put it down. I just absolutely devoured it, and I got done with it. And I'm like, wait a minute. I can't be done. What? There's got to be more. And so I flipped to the back page and found uh, their contact information, and I called and asked about you know coaching. And I've always had a, a one of my primary purposes is to help other people and make a positive impact in other people's lives. And I thought I wanted to do some coaching at that time, and they had this coaching program. And I said, well, great. I'll go through I'll get certified as a coach. I'll coach other people. I can e-myth my business. Everything's, you know, falling into place. And a huge investment that I didn't really have at the time. And and I went out there and and went through the process. And and just you know another big defining moment in my business career because it, it just really helped shift my thinking. Any of you that have read the book, you know the concepts are great. But you, you live it a little more, you, you dive in, you really start to make it a part of who you are. And that was a good piece for me. The e-myth was powerful in that, in that context, but I was too impatient. Um, that was in 2000, December of 2000. That's um, when I graduated from that, and, and then I got back and started the implementation. And it's like, well, sit down and write a handbook. Well, I don't have the patience for that. This stuff has mm-hmm. to exist. So I did more research, and that's when I found um, Nexstar, and I, I joined that organization, and then it was the perfect storm. I had the, the, the entrepreneur mindset of the, of the E-Myth philosophy, and then I had some tangible plug-and-play material that I could say, okay, I'm going to plug this in and train it and, and delegate it effectively, and then I'm going to move on to something else. And I really, that's when my life began to take off. That's when I really... The money started flowing more. The freedom really started kicking in, and 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 I began more of the journey that that I'm on today. 
Well, let me let me kind of um, translate this too for some. A lot of our uh, listeners are, are not going to be familiar with NextStar, or maybe even Michael Gerber. Michael Gerber wrote the book The E Myth. That applies to any business, any industry. <laughs> Kenny and I both highly recommend that book. NextStar is a very progressive trade association focused on the service industry: plumbing, heating, cooling, electrical. If you knock on a door, that group would be appropriate for you. But let's talk about this in general terms. So it was getting a, a good philosophy. And the EMIS philosophy mm -hmm. is about working on the business, making the business uh, an, uh, an organization, an, an organism that can run without you and where we, we establish systems and procedures so good people can do extraordinary things. Is that a good way of summarizing that philosophy? That's that's absolutely right. That That is terrific. We're so closely held that that this philosophy is about you can own a company you can lead a company but you don't have to be in the center of everything that goes on but it has to have manuals and systems and training and mm -hmm. documentation and sometimes that can be a little overwhelming so in your case you found a group that had something you could edit so you started with something instead of starting from scratch and i would i mean and and another good thing about a group is to have some solidarity to have some like-minded buddies oh man would you agree <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. I, MIT did a study that said, you know, you, you earn, on average, people earn within $5,000 of their five closest friends. And when you think about that, I know when I read the study, I was like, hmm, I got a couple people on the bubble. <laughs> I'm thinking they need to go. upgrade my friends. <laughs> well, and that is part of upgrading your friends. And even with a group, now I'm going to speak about groups in, in general because groups, there are groups for every industry, and there are, you know, exclusive groups and high-priced groups and very powerful groups, and then there's really loose and, and less organized and, um, you know, groups you can join for $50 a year. There's the full range. But I would say, and, and let me know your thoughts on this, I would say that most folks in most groups continue to whine and to not apply the information and to use that group membership as yet another reason why they can't be successful. And even within a group, you have to be selective as to who you're going to hang out with. Would you agree with that? Oh, I, <laughs> I couldn't agree more, Ellen. That is, we see it day in, day out. I'm, I'm a member of, of different service associations. I'm a member of different speaking associations on the training and speaking side of of what I do and you could take a demographic of any of them you could take a plumbing industry you could take electrical you could take accounting you could take speaking authors anything out there and I would almost guarantee that the demographics play out exactly the same and I would so I'm with you on that I think that's the case too so you do have to find those people whose philosophy resonates with you and who um are open and generous and inspiring, even if they're not perfect. But they can well, be someone. Who, but and we do always look for a sense of humor. I know that about you. Well, and that's true. And <laughs> you know, and at the end of the day, let's call it what it is. You're going to attract people like you. So if you're a mover and a shaker, and you want to improve, and you want to do good, and you want to implement, you're going to find those people in an organization, or or in the grocery store, or just in life in general. But I'm big on internal accountability, and many of us need to just stop whining and get out of the bleachers and get on the court and do some things to improve our companies and to improve our lives. And so you can't join an association or a group or hire a business coach and think, okay, they got it. They'll take care of it. You've got to want it. You've got to be hungry, and you've got to be the one that's taking full responsibility for it, no matter what you're involved in. Well, let's let's take let's take you to this this phase of your life right now because what I think is so inspiring. There's a lot of things that are inspiring about you, but one part of your story that I think our listeners today are going to be excited about is that you not only don't work in the truck, you have multiple businesses going on now, and that uh, a service business is is bigger and better than ever. So how how did you make this leap to serial entrepreneur, and what are some of the keys that allow you to have uh, a life where you can travel and pursue your dream of being a speaker and sharing and being of service to others while you maintain um, businesses that actually thrive in your absence? 
the that's a the big question. I know it. It is. It is. And and to to kind of chunk it down, it, it really comes down to to philosophy and and leadership. Um, and and even I would even throw identity in there. For me, um, coaching that I've done with business owners, training that I've done, I see a lot of. Um, business owners that have identity tied to having the answer and being the one in charge. I was able to eliminate that from my life. I, so in other words, a lot of people feel they're, they're powerful because they have the answers. And I feel that I'm more powerful because I don't have the answers, but my team has the answers. Right. Now, even though, um, for instance, my plumbing, heating, air conditioning company, I don't have an office at that, at that location, but I'm, but I'm still engaged. Well, technology today, you can be engaged, but you've got to keep the people aspect really prominent. So 90% of what I do is maintain relationships and grow relationships in that company. The, the tools and the systems, that all, all that stuff exists, and it's easy to implement. But, but relationships, the main reason I'm able to do what I do are two key players in my company and the system that I've set up. So I, I spread my risk a little bit over just having, like, one person that does everything. I've got a really strong general manager, and I've got an incredibly strong operations manager that if something happened to one of them, then, you know, the company's not just gonna, going to crumble. And, and it, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not perfect. I mean, anybody could come into this company and find a whole list of things that um, you would want to change, that you could, well, why are you doing this, why are you doing that? That's not what it's about. What it's about to me is that the company does what it's supposed to do to serve my life and the team members that are involved. And so you can find better companies and certainly however you measure it, but my goal of this company, which I think sometimes entrepreneurs don't spend enough time thinking about, what do you really want? Well, I see yeah. this, you know, this company down the street is doing this. Maybe I'll do that too, but does that really serve you? Is that who you're about? Is that what you really want? So I've let done me, a lot me, of work around that. I want to expand on this a little bit. And one of one of our bullet points, this is good because I'm looking at the bullet points, because like, I, I, I promised we'd talk about some of these things. And this one's a, a lovely moment to address this. So how key leadership is to, to any organization and how to develop it. Let me ask you about this because I work with a lot of folks who think they're going to find a magical general manager or a magical operations manager. Talk to us about how you identified and uh, those people and develop those relationships, did they move up the ranks with you or did they come from outside? How did you do this? I've got um, successfully today, I've got one of each. I've got one that came from outside. I've got one that uh, my GM actually was the first um, team member that I hired. Mm -hmm. And then he was with me about four years and he followed a girl over to Denver and left the area for I think three years he could tell you how many months and then I hired him back and he came back and worked into a management role and now he runs he runs our store now um, and and the thing about that you're absolutely right we all think we're gonna find this person that is going to take all of our pain and all of our headache away and the you know it's a it's a development process even if you bring somebody in from the outside um i was just talking to a to an owner 2 weeks ago that just hired a new operations manager and it was frustrated and i said well what what was the onboarding process what did that look like well i wanted to wait and and see what it looked like for a while well that's not any way that they don't know your culture i mean it, it could be steve jobs and he doesn't know anything about your store I mean, they have their philosophy, but you've got to really invest in these people with time and training to get them on board and then let them have their space. John's the name of my GM. He manages far differently than I do. He's got four kids at home. I don't have children. He has a lot more patience than I do. Let's call it what it is. But we, we come from different places, so I can't say John manage it like I would. But as long as, as the, K, the KPIs are being hit, we're moving in the right direction, you've got to allow people to be who they are. So you and can KPIs, bring them KPIs, key performance indicators. Yes, sorry about okay. that, yes. All right, so, so 
there is this um, yin and yang approach here that mm -hmm. is becoming evident. You are a results-oriented guy, absolutely, and that comes, you know, bleeding through right now. However, you're also aware that it's by developing the relationships that you're going to be able to get any kind of results. So it, I can see that you understand the, the both sides of this this management coin. Yeah, it's it's a definite balance, and and you know you're you're going to spend more time on one than the other sometimes, but but business isn't really that hard. I mean, regardless of the industry, really we overcomplicate things a lot of times. Consultants can overcomplicate things. I mean, I, I do consulting myself, and I and I see it. You see it. You go in and follow somebody up, and it's like, well, what is all this stuff doing? Let's simplify things. I mean, yep. let's you know, let's get back to the basics. There's only a few things that really work. They're they're time tested. Let's focus on those. See how it plays in today's world, today's market, and then let's work on on the relationship. And those are you know it's it's an interesting time right now i mean it it is it's the first time in history that 50% of the population is 25 years old or less worldwide that's a big deal uh -huh. and so you know many of us are like well i'm not doing facebook i was doing that i'm not going to do facebook that's a kid thing i'm not going to you know hey it's a pretty good tool if you're using it for the right thing and and there's a lot of areas like this as we're growing businesses and as we're embracing as social people are changing out there, we've got to be willing to change with it. And the younger generation is different, so we can sit back and complain about it, or we can learn what motivates them, what makes things work, so we can create some things and you know, not give in to them per se. It's not this tug of war. It's about collaborative effort with your with your people and, and your team and your leaders need to be able to to be open to that. Well, let me let me just remind uh, if you're listening in and you've called in, you can raise your hand. Press the number one, and we'll uh, and we'll take your your question. And in the meantime, I'll ask mine. So, what I can hear you talking about someone who is uh, a little bit stuck. You know, I don't want to get on Facebook, or you know, someone will call me. I know you have the same phone calls. They've been doing things the same way for 35 years, and you know, now they want to go from two trucks to 10 million. There's probably some change required to make that kind of thing happen. How do you get unstuck when you've identified that where you are is not where you want to be? This is a big question, and, and what's your take on that? The biggest thing for me is is when you're stuck, you've got to get clear about what that means. In other words, you know, oftentimes, as you said, I'll get calls from people or emails and they haven't really identified their pain yet. They're they're feeling it, but it's just kind of this global, I don't like what's going on. Back before I went to lunch with the Taco Bell guy, mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was. I just didn't like it. Well, so what we've got to do is, is identify exactly what it is. And then in order to get stuck, we've got to look at, okay, well, what's my past conditioning here? What are my limiting beliefs? What am I telling myself? If I don't like my current situation... Or I can't do that. I hear that all the time. I despise that phrase. It drives me absolutely insane to hear people say I can't because nothing's further from the truth. It's absolutely change it to I won't because you could. You're just not willing to. Right. And so when I'm stuck, I've got to have a, a, an internal conversation or get with a coach that, that can ask some questions to help move to, to shift my focus and say, okay, well, I could do this. Now I'm either choosing to not do it, why am I choosing to not do it, or it's not important enough to me. And, you know, we have these these limiting beliefs and these stories we tell ourselves. I, I did that. We, my plumbing company was stuck at four trucks for two years because nobody in my market had ever run more than four trucks. I was stuck. And then Interesting. I, I was like, well, when I got in the business, I had one, and and uh, National Franchise had four, another player in the market had four, and then as I got to three, each of them had two, and it was like we were just passing trucks around in the marketplace, and that was the size of the market, and I bought into that, so I was stuck. So I didn't have information that I needed 
to be able to move myself to the next level. So then I get out of my little market in Grand Junction and say, well, what's possible? And I start running into companies five times the size of mine that and markets five times as small as mine. And I'm going, well, if they can do it, they're not geniuses. Maybe I could do it too. And so it's really about identifying what, you know, what is it that I'm not seeing? Where are the blind spots? A lot of times they're, they're only blind spots because of what we're telling ourselves. And so you either I, I got think to that, I think that's so true. What, is, what did I hear from uh, Wayne Dyer recently? You could be right or you could be rich. You could be right or you could mm-hmm. be kind. I mean, if we kind of question what we believe is right or true for ourselves, we can start to uncover some of these things that are, are holding us back. Hey, we have a caller. Can I, um, may I uh, ask you to hang on a moment while we bring Absolutely. this online? Okay. You bet. Hey, hey, if your phone number ends in 8909, you're on the air. Well, hello, Kenny. Hi, Ellen. This is Joe from Clearwater, Florida. How are you guys doing today? Hey. Doing good, Joe. Hello. I'm doing great, thanks. Hey, great show going on so far. Kenny, Ellen, I have one kind of one question for you guys. Um, what do you think is the key to staying focused? I mean, I got a pretty good vision. I got a pretty good uh, key on on where I want to go with my company. But I just, um, I'll be honest, put on the, I have a little trouble staying focused sometimes. And that's uh, a great if, question. If you got any any ideas there? I I run into that all the time, Joe. And, and when someone starts to make some progress in the direction of their dream. They, they drop it, like they get almost there, and then they get distracted. So, Kenny, what do you think about that? Well, first of all, kudos to you, Joe, for being honest and saying what everybody else on this call is experiencing <laughs> as well, including myself, and as Ellen just said, <laughs> her too. It, it is a reality, and, and I think that um, what it comes down to for me is, is what you said about vision is very important. We really do need to have the, the kind of global, the overall the bigger picture vision, focus is easier to maintain when you can chunk vision down into smaller pieces. So, you know, if, if you can set, you know, if you picture a road trip, if you will, if, if you're going to go from Clearwater and drive to Grand Junction, you know, here's your route. But if you can break that up into some mile markers to where you can you can have some achievements and success along the way. Most of us want to feel achievement. Most of us want to feel that at the end of the day, I had a successful day and I've done things. But those of us that are big dreamers and big goal setters, if we haven't accomplished the goal, we're not there. That might be five years from now. So we've got to have those wins on a daily on a daily basis. So getting down to to where what are the things that that I really want to do today to to be able to dig deeper. I had a mentor a couple of weeks ago. I went to a, a seminar called Experts Academy, and they used the um, example of of a miner when you you know you start digging holes in this mine and you find a little chunk of gold and you go, oh well, okay, there's there's a little gold, cool. You dig it a little bit more, no more gold. So then you run over here 50 yards. You start digging again, dig dig dig. Oh, there's a little gold. Okay, there's some there. And then you run over here. And we do it in business all the time where if you look at the people that are really, really successful, it's the ones that, okay, there's a little piece of gold, set it out, and I keep digging, and I keep digging, and then you really mine the big one. And once you've nailed all of that in that area, then we move over to to stay focused. So um, it's a great question. I'm not going to pretend like I've got the – um, you know the overall answer, but I know in my life, if I can break it down a little bit and have some some daily accomplishments as well, it really helps me. You know, I, I want to weigh in on this a little bit too, and I think one of the things is that we sabotage our efforts from maybe a not not deserving it. I think it was Frank Blau who, who taught me that. You can raise your prices and you can expand your dreams as often as you raise your self-esteem. That self-esteem is the, the real problem. So sometimes maybe we don't allow ourselves to be as successful as we might be and then find ways to get off track because we're more comfortable with the chaos or the problems or that, you know, it never works out for me kind of thinking. Now, Joe, that may or may not apply to your situation, but I know I've wrestled with that myself. That's one of the things that I've come up with is, hmm, I wonder why I tend to lose focus when I get so close to the goal or why I lose 
interest at that point when it seems like, you know, it's right in front of me. Why don't I follow all the way through? I've found that to be something that uh, has challenged me before. So, Joe, do you have a follow-up question? I mean, this is deep, this is deep thoughts. <laughs> exactly not. <laughs> Great stuff. I appreciate the input. You Absolutely. bet. You know, I, and, and Kenny, going back to kind of the yin and yang of it, one of the ways I've been able to um, help myself expand beyond where I originally would kind of uh, plateau out is to impose discipline in terms of, okay, I'm not going to work on everything. I'm going to work on these top five projects. My friend Al Levy, who's just a fantastic operations guy. Do you know Al? Have you met Al before? Yes, I have. Uh, yeah, okay. He you know, works off a top five project. So while you may have 100 things that you want to do, let's get these five done. And you can do almost anything in series. You don't have to do everything in parallel. And that's kind of what reinforces, you know, let's dig these holes right here before we, we jump ship and move on to something else. And I just mixed a lot of metaphors on you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I, I think you're you're absolutely right. And, and I think that, you know, in, in my life, a lot of what it comes down to is is momentum and and to be able to to continue to go as you know many people on this call you're not punching a clock you don't have to maybe go to the office today yeah sometimes that's an interesting place to to come from i know in my life you know i i went through a period where i was playing golf like 5 6 days a week it was crazy i was just, it was a total distraction i didn't have to go to work the business was growing, doing great, and, and that was just my outlet. I was in a bad relationship. I didn't want to be home. I was like, okay. Well, I wasn't dealing with the real issue, and so I really lost track. You know, and, and, I, and I'm a big believer that if your desires are different than your beliefs, you're always going to manifest your beliefs. And so... You know, we're not trying to get real deep on you here, Joe, or anybody it's too else. Late. It's already, it's already you know, happened. We're but, already but there. It, but it is true. It, you know, it's like, well... Sometimes I want this big thing or I want this $10 million store. I want to make seven figures a year or I want, I want, I want. But why? What? What is that all about? You know, and, and and how do I believe that? Because if I don't really believe that I'm going to make a million dollars a year, it's never going to happen. And that's, you know, it takes a lot of internal work. And, and what will happen is, as Ellen said, we self-sabotage ourselves. I know I've done it. I'll work hard, hard, hard. I don't have the belief in it. It's not really going to happen. So then I get sidetracked and I go in a different way. Let's. Um, I'm, I'm just uh, aware of our time now. It goes so fast. Let's talk about the framework of change. I like acronyms. It makes them easy. It makes it easy to remember things. Describe what that uh, acronym of change is, um, and how we can use that to facilitate change, to get unstuck, and to help us uh, achieve what uh, we really, really, really want and align our beliefs along with that. Absolutely. Well, I elaborate on on the acronym in my book, The Six Dimensions of Change, and I created the acronym as just a way, you know, um, change is, is kind of an overused word. A lot of people have negative connotations. It also doesn't mean much to a lot of people. So I did an acronym just to kind of change it up a little bit and say, well, what if there was a way that we could use these dimensions to really move us in the direction that we want. And so I looked at the things that have helped me and served me and, and successful people that I know. And so the acronym begins with the C in changes for clarity. And yeah. it's kind of what we were talking about a, a few minutes ago. We've, you've got to know exactly what it is that you want. And many people in life aren't, aren't willing to go there. They don't, they don't know. They haven't been taught that. Um, so they just kind of exist. We see it all over the place. So first and foremost, if you want to create change, you've got to be clear about what it is that you want, absolute clarity. The H in change stands for habit. You've got to examine your habits. You know, I, I, I love it when uh, Warren Buffett said, bad habits are like chains that are too light to feel until they're too heavy to be broken. And we start a habit, and it's not that big of a deal, but then it kind of weighs on us, and it weighs on us. And there's a lot of authors and speakers that would say, well, remove hab you know, habits out of your life. And I'm an absolute 
I'm in disagreement with that. I think we need habits. I think habits free us up to be more creative and do other things, but we need to examine our habits. You know, are the things that we're doing really serving us towards this change we want to make? Um, the A in change stands for action. Nothing happens without action. I'm, I'm a big proponent of um, the law of attraction and vision boards and really being clear and putting out in the universe what it is that you want. But you've got to go do something. Hanging a picture on the wall is not just going to do it for you. You've got to get in the game. And um, I, I think that oftentimes, you know, we're, we're, we talk about things conceptually. Oftentimes you might get on a call like this or, or go to a seminar that, that I've put on or Ellen's put on and it all sounds great and you go back and nothing changes. We see it all the time. Got to take action. In is never give up. And and Ellen alluded to it earlier, as she's had in her life. You get a little closer, you get a little closer, and then for whatever reason, we don't get on over the hump toward the success that's ours, that we've worked so hard for. We quit right before we're ready to get it. And, you know, I, I remember um, reading about Winston Churchill giving a speech, and he got up and addressed his military men, and he just said, never give up, never give up, never give up. And he turned and walked away from the podium. And that's how I think we need to live our lives because, you know, there are little things. What you do today matters. The little things that you're doing right now do have an effect in your life, and we never know when those are going to show up. So you've got to stay engaged. You've got to keep going and don't ever quit. Um, the G in change stands for gratitude. And it's very important to me because I had a life from the outside looking in was great. I had money. I lived in the house on the hill, drove fancy cars, took vacations. I did everything that I ever created or that I wanted to create, but I was miserable. I I had an addiction issue going on. I was in a bad relationship. I was I was not living a dream life by any stretch of the imagination, but it looked like I was. I wasn't grateful. I wasn't grateful for what I had. Any time that I've been miserable or or frustrated in my life, it's because I haven't had gratitude. No matter where you are in your life, no matter where your business is, regardless, you've got something to be grateful for. Sometimes it's chunking all the way down to the fact that we woke up this morning, but we've got another day to live on this planet, another day to make a difference. So gratitude's huge. So we don't, like, always want what's next. We've all had that situation. Well, as soon as I get the car, I'm going to be happy. As soon as I get the relationship, I'm going to be happy. As soon as I make this, I'm going to be happy. But we forget to be grateful for where we are on our journey. And the E in change, finally, is for enthusiasm. Life is too short, my friend, to, to not have a good time and to, to get engaged and live with passion and enthusiasm and and live and love and laugh and, and engage. And uh, I'm sure, Ellen, you've, you've been around people in this industry, out of this industry that, you know, it's like, well, okay, just kind of going through the motions and, and just bummers to be around. And, and if you're going to create change in your life and you want to do some things, have some fun and bring energy to the table and, and tap that, into the That's the key power. right there because energy is contagious. And Absolutely. sometimes, um, you know, you can be around people who give off energy and they recharge you, and then you can be around people that are like a black hole that suck the energy right out of you. But I do <laughs> think that, you know, part of the action and part of the, the habit to create is um, I am really enjoying this, this understanding that I can recharge and I can fill myself up with energy, and that, is, uh, that does make this whole process a lot more a lot more fun. I love that acronym. You know, I'm going to talk about A for a minute, action, because there's this, you know, I know what you mean about, um, I think it's called like armchair manifestation. I think if we were powerful enough, we could probably sit in a chair and manifest an, an apple into our hand. But I would maintain that we would miss the fun of it, that this mm -hmm. lifetime is all about having a bit of disparity between where you are and where you want to be, because then that's the journey that's the path it's okay not to have everything that you want because i guarantee when you get to that next milestone when you got to four trucks were you satisfied or did you expand your horizons well exactly exactly you're always going to want what's next so that you know the action part is really where the fun is and i think some people miss that thinking that 
you know, like you say, business is easy, and I would maintain, Kenny, that's because that's your perspective, that the action required and the steps and the headaches and the, the risks and all those things are always there. But mm-hmm. I can just feel your approach to that is just that, oh, what's so hard about doing any of those things? Mm-hmm. That, yeah, you're right, and, and I think it's important to have those uh those benchmarks in our life and, and be able to bounce things off of past experiences, off of mentors. And and one of the things that comes to mind when I think about action, I agree 100%, Ellen. I think it's about, you know, there's all these cliche statements. It's about the journey and, and all these things. And, and the fact of the matter is it, it's absolutely right. And and right now, um, you know, things are tough out there. And, and we've had some challenges in, in the companies that I'm involved in. But I'm having an absolute blast. I'm growing like crazy. I'm learning so much about how to operate in this new space. And, and it, you know, if you, if you change it and, and frame it to what's possible, then you can get on to having some fun. And um, successful people, to me, are willing to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And many times we won't take action because we're afraid of being uncomfortable. And oftentimes, you know, you talk to business owners, you coach people, they're in total pain, but they know their current discomfort. They don't want to trade that for an unknown discomfort. So I advocate, hey, get get comfortable with being uncomfortable, and life changes. When you can play in that space and be okay with it, that's where growth comes from. Because if you're completely comfortable, you're not going to be able to stay there a long time anyway because the world is changing around you. You can't stop that. So the more we can adapt that and adopt that and apply that into our leadership and our relationships with our team members, the better results that we're going to continue to get. Well, it is so much fun to share this time with you. And we, I, you know, I know that from the first minute we met each other that we were super aligned with our overall philosophies. And I feel even more, I think that's even, I, I'm validated on that point even. Absolutely. I, I don't know what the, the grammar I'm running into here, but I think we are of a, a singular mind in a lot of ways. And so it's been an honor to have you on the show today. Now, we know each other. Michael Gerber and the E-Myth is a book that Kenny and I both recommend. And we're both big fans of the Nexstar organization. And is it nextstar.net? It's nextstarnetwork.com. Net, okay, that's it. Nextstarnetwork.com. If you're a, a plumbing, heating, cooling contractor, you might check that out. And definitely check out um, uh, Kenny's website, too, kennychapman.net. Mm-hmm. And you'll see what he's up to. And, and Kenny, you've got some uh, new and exciting things coming up. I know. When did you discover along this path that you wanted to speak? Because I couldn't wait to get to the front of the room, but not everybody has that drive. When when did you discover that in yourself? Well, it, it, it kind of came in a roundabout way. The short story is a good friend of mine uh, by the name of Tom Robichaud. Oh, okay. Threw, he threw me under the bus at a dinner one <laughs> night with uh, several uh, um, boards or People that were on the board of directors for Nexstar were at a dinner, and I didn't even belong. I was new in the membership, and he brought me along. They were talking about they needed trainers, and he said, oh, you should do that. You've got EMS training, and they asked me about it, and kind of kind of unwilling but a little interested, I went into it, and I just developed a love. As I said, it's always been part of my purpose to help others, and I found the outlet, and I did a lot of years um, in the contracting industry, and now I've been touring with Les Brown and doing uh, yeah. independent seminars and keynotes and all different uh, all different businesses, all different uh, settings. So it's really, uh, we've got a lot of cool things going on. So please do check out the site, and, uh, um, you know, we, we just really want to help people. Okay, now we have one minute left on the, on the show, but we have one more caller. And, Kenny, if you're game, we can um, open up the line for this caller, although the show will be officially uh, over. At that Let's time, are you okay? Can you stay a minute longer? You bet. Absolutely. Okay. Well, um, before we let you go, we always like to end on time, but we're going to do like, you know, Bill Maher on uh, on his show does like after afterwards. <laughs> we're going to do that because I'm going to take a caller. If your number um, ends in 2467, I'm going to open up the lines. Do also visit barebonesbiz.com. One of the programs we are super proud of is the step-by-step program I do with Al Levy, and it's all about – 
helping you maintain your focus with one simple step delivered at a time. So check out step-by-step at barebonesbiz.com. And let me open up this line and see if we can do it. Hey, you're on the air. If you've got your hand up, go ahead and give us a shout-out. Hey, Kenny. Hey, Alan. Alan Ferguson. Oh, no way. Oh, smokes, Alan. How cool is that? <laughs> Hi. From down How are you guys? Look, I just I don't have a question because um, I, I just want to say I'm such a fantastic fan of um, yourself, Ellen, and, and Kenny, and I know Yay. I've met Kenny. And, love oh, your work, you. guys. Fantastic. <laughs> Keep it up. Well, thank you. Well, thanks. And, yeah. Alan, um, we just uh, recommended your book, No Can Do, to the step-by-steppers. Thank you for making the suggestion. That book was recommended to me by uh, Bill Raymond through Nexstar, oh. and I and I think it's a fantastic one step at a time concept. It's, uh, you know, I think we funny? overload ourselves with everything we do, and I know I do, and uh, I I just yeah, great believer in it. Well, yay! Well, thanks for for giving us a shout out. Do you have a ke- a question for Kenny while you're on before I just make this like summer camp? Do you have a a question <laughs> that you wanted to share? I don't have a question. You've covered everything. I just wanted to say hi, guys. Yay! Well, you are a sweetheart. Love, love, love to you. And thanks uh, thanks for checking in from the other side of the the globe. No problem. Keep up the good work, guys. Okay. Thanks, Alan. How fun is that? Take care. Well, thanks, Kenny. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. All right, I'm going to let you go now. Join us next time on Blog Talk Radio, Bare Bones Biz Show. And thanks, Kenny. Thank you, Ellen. It's been a pleasure. Adios. Bye-bye. Oh, no. We're out of time. Thanks to my uber smart guest, and thanks for joining us. You can listen in again at blogtalkradio.com slash barebonesbiz. So down with the ball and chain of 20-hour workdays and piles of debt. Make some money. Fix and grow your own extraordinary business. And until next time, this is Ellen XOXOXO. I wish you love, peace, prosperity, and freedom.